scripture reading, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Remember last Sunday we talked about self-humbling along with the promise of divine exaltation in due time. And here are verses 6 and 7 in light of that. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Lord God, for us, the people of God, let us again look to God in prayer. Father and our God, bless us now in this time of worship as your word is presented and heard to the praise of your glory in Christ Jesus in whose perfect name this prayer is made. Amen. In the year 2020, the ugliness of the human race was on full display. The vicious attitudes, the glut of hostility and contempt and malice. Despite technologies and medical advancements, humanity has progressed very little in terms of true personal betterment and righteousness apart from God. 2023, humanity seems to be no closer to realizing the oft-mentioned dream of a utopian paradise where peace and joy reign supreme throughout the earth. The population of America doesn't seem to be getting happier. Recent surveys indicate alarming trends, especially among teens who have expressed, if not a desire, at least a willingness to eventually commit suicide if things don't get better. Bullying has gotten out of hand in many public schools, the viciousness and the nonstop mockery, especially among young people, can be overwhelming. And from what I've read, from what I've been told, suicide is initiated by two primary factors. Failure and the grief and the shame connected with failure, and loneliness. Thirty years ago, a songwriter expressed things with these words, thirty years ago, standing in a crowd but still all alone, crying out for answers that nobody knows. Everybody's busy looking out for themselves. Is there anyone who really cares about anyone else? Who really cares? 
numerous persons claim to care, but who really cares? Peter answers that question with words of challenge and confidence. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Last time we mentioned Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. God will never permit the righteous to be moved out of the sphere of his care and concern and power and love and salvation. Also, recall Isaiah 57, the, the promise given in verse 15, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The holy, lofty God can revive the spirit of the humble and the contrite. That's the qualifier. That's the condition. You want to call it that. Possessing a contrite heart rather than a prideful, conceited outlook. Genuine godliness and humility want nothing to do with the dogmas and the attitudes of secular humanism. Proverbs 26, verse 12, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Plenty of persons today are wise in their own eyes and they want everyone else around them to realize that. They're loud and defiant, super aggressive, and yet they don't come across as being happy. Nor are they known for being peaceable. According to a popular theory, Humanity is progressing, evolving favorably, but despite technical medical advancements, human beings are depraved as ever. We see evidence for that all around us. And this is a spiritual fact. This fact certainly is maligned and sneered at. This fact is highly offensive to many so-called educated people, but recent history in particular fortifies the teaching of Ecclesiastes 7, verse 29. This have I found. God made man upright, but men have sought out many schemes. More than just one or two schemes, many schemes. Numerous 
pipe dreams and the frailty of human society, human populations, was articulated well by Paul in 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Now the secularist despises scripture as a collection of fables. In point of fact, though, secularists cling to fables of human perfectibility apart from the grace and the intervention of God. What's the alternative to all this? Quite simply, the words of our text. Humble yourselves. Really do that. Under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he really does care for you. Elementary words. Simple words, which are profoundly true, deeply personal. This key theme that God cares for his people. God saves his people today, tomorrow, and forever. God can be trusted to do good things. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. I would have lost heart. I would have just given up, given way to despair. I would have lost heart, the psalmist says. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. God is trustworthy. God can be trusted to do good things. Whatever our context might be, God cares for his people. The children of God don't have to be lonely all the time. And bouts of loneliness may very well come. But even through those bouts and valleys of loneliness, we can cherish the truth, the spiritual fact, that God loves his people. We no longer have to be fearful. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Don't get greedy. <laughs> be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. 
What can man do to me? We no longer have to be fearful as we rely upon God. Much of humanity smirks and sneers at reliance upon God. A numerous human beings define life as the accumulation of material things. Imagine it. That's what defines a good life in the minds of much of our population today. But in contrast to such a one-dimensional understanding of life, Jesus Christ says, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. In other words, there's more to life than just amassing stuff. Then later on, in verse 30 through 32 of Luke 12, Jesus told his disciples, For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things, these basic things of life. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It pleases the Father to give the disciples of his Son the kingdom. Why is that? Well, because God cares for the people of a son. And God cares for you. God cares for you when you're misunderstood, when you're maligned, when some of your friends might turn against you, might gossip about you, might manipulate you in some way. God still cares for you. You're a child of the new covenant in Christ. And such is a wonderful truth we can never repeat too often. Our self-worth is not determined by people. But by the sovereign God who really cares for those who belong to his son. It was William Cooper who said, Man may dismiss compassion from his heart, but God will never dismiss compassion from his heart. We live in a world that's obsessed with maximizing sin. The more sin, the better. And everyone has rights, so-called. We live in a world which specializes in grinding people down, and yet God cares for us. And so we take to heart words that were penned in 1870 by Sarah Betts Rhodes. God who made the earth, the air, the sky, the sea, who gave the light as birth, careth for me. God who made the sun, the moon, the stars, is he, 
who when life's clouds come on, careth for me. God who sent his son to die on Calvary, he, if I lean on him, will care for me. When in heaven's bright land I all his loved ones see, I'll sing with that blessed band, God cared for me. And when life's clouds come on, and they will come on, God still cares for the people of his son. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10 after words about resisting the devil, prowls around. Peter wrote, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. For those who have been gripped by feelings of, of loneliness, torture by despair, thoughts even of suicide, what can be more comforting than the assurance that God cares and that God will, in due time, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle his people, all of his people, abiding in Jesus Christ. And that train of thought is in tandem with Paul's words. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. We're grappling with loneliness. God is still with us. And we consider the perspective put forth by Warren Wiersbe. If anybody knew from experience that God cares for his own, it was Peter. When you read the four Gospels, you discover that Peter shared in some wonderful miracles, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, gave Peter a great catch of fish, helped him pay his temple tax, helped him walk on the water, and even delivered Peter from prison. The reference for that deliverance was Acts chapter 12, verse 5 to 11. So Peter knew firsthand how much he was really cared for by the Messiah. He knew how to answer the question, who really cares? And this unwavering reply, God really cares. God always will. God the Father cares. God the Son also cares. The God man, the Lord Jesus Christ, really cares. In a hard world, Jesus always is compassionate. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. A leper came to him. No one else wanted anything to do with this leper. But a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
And Jesus moved with compassion, the scripture says, moved with compassion. Stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left the man and he was cleansed. We read in Mark chapter 4 that Jesus cares. When storm came up furiously, there were massive waves. Jesus Christ and his disciples together in a boat. Mark chapter 4 verse 38. Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him. And they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We're about to drown here. Don't you care? Verse 39. Jesus arose. He rebuked the wind. Said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus calmed the storm. He calmed his disciples. Why? Because he cared for them. And take a look in John chapter 10. John 10, Messiah's Good Shepherd Discourse, in which he contrasts himself with false shepherds. John 10, beginning with verse 11. says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he was not the shepherd. One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And I'm known by my own. As Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Arling doesn't care about the sheep. However, the good shepherd does care about the sheep. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. He died on the cross in place of the sheep who know him and follow his voice. He rose from the dead for the salvation and the eternal life of the sheep. God the Son really cares about the sheep. We could go on and on about this, but I want to share with you one more quotation and some hymn lyrics will be through. Second Thessalonians, we have a beautiful benediction illustrating 
the great spiritual truths we've been covering. Second Thessalonians 2 verses 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Focus on that great spiritual truth instead of fixating upon the insults and the malice of this world. The Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father loves us. And we remember lyrics put forth by John Peterson. No one understands like Jesus. He's a friend beyond compare. Meet him at the throne of mercy. He is waiting for you there. No one understands like Jesus when the foes of life assail. You should never be discouraged. Jesus cares and will not fail. Pray to Glorious Heavenly Father, how thankful we are that Jesus is so compassionate. That he really cares and you care. And loved us so much you sent your son to die for us. And all believers need not succumb to shattering despair, loneliness, and failure. You are with us and we will Go to be with Jesus someday because you really do care. And this prayer is made in his all-powerful, supreme name. Amen.